If you look at our history, it's basically just been uh, one scalability issue or wall that we run into every couple of months over and over and over. And it's always a new one, right? Um, you know, eventually we, we've hit a scale where we're moving petabytes of data per month. Uh, but in the early days, you know, we could barely handle gigabytes of data, right? It's been very, very tough for us, but we've also internally focused on it. And so in 2021, there was a there was a time where we our system fell down uh, seven months in a row uh, where we had just like a hard outage. My name is Kyle Tut, co-founder and CEO of Pinata. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today how Kyle Tut set out to enable builders and creators by giving them a home for their NFT media. All this and more on Code Story. Kyle Tut started out his life wanting to be a car mechanic. His mom affirmed his aspirations, but gave him the advice to make sure he owned the mechanic shop. He's taken interesting paths through the auto world, marketing, and eventually into the tech world. Outside of tech, he's originally from North Dakota, but now lives in Nebraska and enjoys the practicality of the way people think in the Midwest. Kyle knew that storing data on the blockchain was expensive. At the same time, it wasn't fast, nor was it stable. He and his co-founder set out to build an unbelievably fast content delivery network, easily accessible across the world. This is the creation story of Pinata. Pinata is the home for NFT media, and ultimately what that means is we help NFT companies, NFT projects, marketplaces to manage their, their media, their content, their files associated with the NFTs. So uh, NFT or a non-fungible token is a token that sits on a blockchain and it represents data files that are sitting somewhere else. That somewhere else tends to be Pinata, um, where they will upload their, their files, their folders, uh, might be a full application to us, and then we help them manage it, serve it, display it, whatever whatever needs they, they have with their, their NFT content, they use us underneath. How we got started is a simple uh, progression in the sense that we knew all the way back in 2018 that storing data on a blockchain was really, really expensive. And so what people were doing at the time was using this protocol called IPFS or the Interplanetary File System to manage their data associated with blockchains. The problem back then, it wasn't very fast, wasn't very stable. And so my co-founder Matt and I decided to start Pinata with this idea of let's just make IPFS as fast and stable as possible. Uh, we launched that all the way back in um, October or something like that of 2018, trying to find a market for it. We knew NFTs would be a, a great market and would develop a lot of usage for us. However, in 2018, uh, the NFT market was not very big. It was actually quite small. And so we kind of struggled finding use cases for our company and, and for Pinata ultimately. But then in 2020, NFTs start taking off uh, and we're able to uh, really help that market and, and grow with it. And then it had, you know, just a, a, an amazing uh, explosion of, of growth in 2021 and in 2022 and gets us all the way to today. Let's dive into the MVP, 
So tell me about that MVP, that first product you built. How long did it take you to build? And what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? Obviously, we're going to get into the blockchain, but uh, I'm going to ask the tools question. Basically, it took us about a month. Matt uh, is the co-founder and CTO, so he's the one that ultimately did all of the building. But in the early days, all we did is we took a simple IPFS node, which is the desktop node, and we spun it up into a, a DigitalOcean uh, droplet or something like that. Just said, hey, uh, will, will you guys start paying us to pin content on this IPFS node? It was very, very simple. The kind of like core underlying idea of our project is still true today. People come in, uh, upload content to our IPFS nodes and ultimately pay us to do it. And that's exactly what we built in the early days. There wasn't a lot of functionality. You know, we had our a, a very simple API that we put in place. And then we had like this really simple dashboard where you could upload content through a like a user interface. Other than that, there wasn't much else uh, going on with the product. It was it was very simple and very lightweight. But uh, what we did figure out early on is that we needed to spend a lot of time on just making sure that it was stable. Uh, and we invested, you know, moving forward after that MVP, most of our time into making it uh, fast and stable. Whereas, uh, you know, I think people tend to want to pack on features all the time and think that's ultimately going to lead to more more users and more success. Uh, but we actually found just sticking to the basics was a was a huge value add for us. In staying with the MVP for a minute, you've got that that node, right? And in deciding to do that one node or approach it that way, you probably had to work through different decisions and trade-offs around limiting scope, focusing on a specific problem. So tell me about some of those that you had to work through as a team, as yourself, and specifically how you coped with those decisions. I think for us, uh, what was good is we had a lot of experience spinning up IPFS nodes for some other work we were doing. So we we knew what the challenges were uh, and had ran into problems with spinning it up. But ultimately, you know, kind of what we were worried about was again making it stable. And what's difficult about that is the IPFS network uh, at its core base layer is a is a peer-to-peer -peer protocol. And when you're interacting with, uh, you know, a peer-to-peer -peer protocol like IPFS does, uh, there can be a lot of chatter uh, on the network. There can be a lot of like attack vectors, if you will. And so we spent a lot of time focusing again back to those basics of like. All right, what do we what do we need to ensure actually happens here? Uh, number one, you need to be able to upload content. Uh, as simple as that sounds, making that experience easy, serving the content is the other part, right? People want to upload it so that they can serve it, so it can be viewed by others. And we decided let's just focus specifically kind of on that motion of upload the content and then serve the content really, really well and make that as easy as possible. When we kind of narrowed it down to just those basics, then you don't have to think about um, kind of all the other features around you. And, and it did allow us to stay on target, uh, not get out over our skis or, or build too much uh, going one direction or the other. It's just upload and serve content to start with. And then if that works, if people start using us from there, uh, obviously we can we can follow you know what they're building for um, and how do we uh, you know build features and, and products uh, that, that serve their needs moving forward. But just sticking with the basics early on is extremely important. 
Okay. Okay. So you got your MVP done and it's working. You're, you're, you know, you spun up the node serving content. How, how did you mature the product from there and how did you um, progress it? I think to, to wrap that in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is how you built your roadmap, how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build for Pinata. We launched, as I mentioned, in October of 2018. We actually launched at a hackathon. Um, so when we launched at the hackathon, we instantly got hundreds of users uh, using using the product. They were giving us feedback on on what was working and, and ultimately what wasn't working. From 2018 all the way until 2020, we really did not change the product at all. We just focused again on how do we increase throughput? How do we increase you know, the fundamentals of these IPFS nodes to make them as uh, performant as possible? You know, Back in the day, we used to say we were the easiest way to use IPFS. And, and that was just our simple goal is ensuring that a developer could hit our API, upload content, and it would work for ultimately for their application. And so for, for two years, that's all we focused on. We didn't have you know a bunch of usage. I'll, I'll uh, freely admit we were, we were struggling. We weren't making any money. It was just Matt and I. However, you know, we did see people that were uploading significantly larger pieces of content, or maybe they were uploading a bunch of files at one time. And, and we learned, all right, just from a kind of fundamentals perspective, uh, we need to be able to get this content on. Once it's on, then, you know, there's all sorts of different cool avenues we can go down from, you know, building a better, what's called an IPFS gateway or, you know, this or that kind of project. Our, our roadmap moving forward from 2020 was actually started catering more and more to blockchain use cases. And, you know, we didn't have to do much from a, a product standpoint, and it really was just more of a messaging standpoint. Uh, because IPFS is a, is a new kind of protocol and, you know, blockchain back in 2020 was still relatively unknown, especially around NFTs. For us, it was just basically messaging, and, and ultimately what that meant was education. What we did is we spent a lot of time blogging about how do you build or how do you use IPFS, how do you use Pinata in this use case or that use case. And so we actually thought of our blogs uh, where we're, we're you know, educating others on how to, how to build in, in the blockchain space as features. Basically what we were seeing is people weren't knowledgeable or didn't know how to build or what to build with IPFS and blockchain. And so we felt it was our duty, if you will, to to ensure that they could learn uh, and build and experiment. As far as where we're at today, you know, we do actually have a, a bunch more features that we've built out. Uh, we do have these things called dedicated IPFS gateways. Those are all about making content serving uh, as fast and efficient as possible, uh, ensuring that the content is you know, stable and, and getting to that end user. Everybody you know, is aware that if somebody that's viewing content has to wait more than a split second, they're probably going to get upset. So we've spent a lot of time there. Getting deeper into the space, uh, we've rolled out some new features and functionalities uh, around token gating. And it's a concept in the NFT space where you serve content based on the NFT. If, if they own an NFT, you'll serve the content. If they don't own an NFT, you won't serve the content. And we found all of that stuff you know, by talking to our customers. At the end of the day, we would talk to our customers every single day. You know, They would tell us, hey, we need this, we need that. And so from a, from a product roadmap, uh, standpoint, you know, we're built internally at Pinata to just listen to our customers every day uh, and find trends and, and things like that that they're running into. And if you can in solve those problems, uh, especially recurring problems that are happening for a lot of people, ultimately you're going to build the right product. 
Okay, let's switch to team. So how did you go about building your team? You guys have a, have a pretty large team from what I see on your site now. What do you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you? We're a team of 48 today, and we were a team of two from 2018 all the way until 2020. And then our first two hires uh, was a front-end developer and then a, a back-end developer. And in those early days, all you're looking for is <laughs> uh, anybody that's crazy enough to jump on the journey with you. It's not like we were you know, the epitome of stability from a company standpoint. We still weren't making any money uh, and they were really taking, taking a, a leap of faith. Ultimately, what we're looking for and what we found in those, those early employees was just go out and ship, release stuff. If you do that, uh, if you iterate and, and make progress daily, you know, you're going to place yourself uh, in, in good positions and, and find ultimately success uh, because of that. And so with the team, what we're always looking for is just people that um, are, are curious uh, and want to go out and iterate and test. Um, and if you, you know, throw something out in the world, uh, whether it's a little product update or maybe it's a blog or you know, whatever the function is that, that you have to do with your job, if you throw it out in the world, let people start interacting with it, criticizing it, um, you know, working with it, you'll start getting feedback quite quickly, then ultimately get better uh, day by day. And that's really all we're looking for is, is people to, again, throw stuff out there, get feedback from the market, and then iterate from there. And uh, we have a great team of, of people that are capable of doing that today. I'm super thankful for uh, everything that our, our teammates have been able to do at Pinata. Let's flip to scalability. And this is always interesting given the space you're in, um, but I'm just gonna ask generically, did you build this to scale efficiently from day one and how so? Or if not, are you fighting this in any capacity as you grow? Definitely did not build it with scale in mind from day one. And, and if you look at our history, it's basically just been uh, one scalability issue or wall that we run into every couple of months over and over and over. And it's always a new one, right? Um, you know, eventually we, we've hit a scale where we're moving petabytes of data per month. Uh, but in the early days, you know, we could barely handle gigabytes of data, right? It's been very, very tough for us, but we've also internally focused on it. And so in 2021, there was a, there was a time where we, our system fell down uh, seven months in a row uh, where we had just like a hard outage. Yeah, we took that very, very hard internally uh, because we knew the importance of ultimately we're an infrastructure play and we had a bunch of apps that are built on top of us that rely on us. And so those days, it was like we came into the office and everything was on fire and we didn't know how we were going to get out of it. But uh, we, we started having methodical little improvements every single day. And when those start compounding on each other, uh, you're able to, you know, start scaling. And some of the times, uh, you know, our failures on the scale side isn't necessarily technology. It's kind of our process or, you know, where our processes break from a human perspective um, and focusing on, on the human element and how we organize and making sure that we're uh, dotting our I's and crossing our T's is, is really important. And since that point, you know, that rough 2021 where, you know, we were just trying to keep the lights on, uh, we've been able to handle scale much better. Every day, there's always, again, something that 
is breaking because of, of how much load it's under, how much scale we're trying to deal with. But, you know, we, we have built those internal processes and, and making sure that it's a priority is a, is a huge thing. We always talk about speed and, you know, stability at Pinata. And so uh, if we're not scaling appropriately, either the speed is going to go down or the stability is going to decrease. And either one of those is a, is a bad thing for our end users. And, and we need to make sure that we're always on top of it. So as you step out on the balcony, you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? The thing that I'm most proud of is when people come up to us or they'll message us and tell us, you know, that their whole application, their whole NFT application is built uh, using Pinata and uh, that we were a huge saver of time or uh, made their life easier or whatever the situation is. I really love, you know, how many kind of people that we help support um, in the space. It, it's, a, it, it's an incredibly satisfying feeling working with our customers every day. Ultimately, we feel that they are building the future of whatever the internet looks like. And it's fun to be a part of that and interact with them and be able to uh, ideate with them. We, you know, we have very close relationships with a lot of our customers and we'll try to improve their product just as much as you know, they'll try to improve ours. So uh, definitely most proud of uh, yeah, those relationships we've been able to build um, because of the product and service that we offer. Okay, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. One of the first mistakes I think we made early on is when we were trying to figure out how we were going to price Pinata in the early days. So when we launched it, uh, you know, it was just kind of open, anybody could use it and, and we didn't have a business model yet. The first user or one of the first people to reach out to us said, hey, we would really love for you to be a usage-based pricing model. We ended up basically going off of that and did a usage model. And ultimately we think long-term that was the wrong decision. But those early days, it, it's kind of interesting when you make that mistake, uh, it has very lasting impacts. And we still see the scars, if you will, of, of that early decision that we kind of just made ad hoc based off of one person's opinion. That was a, that was a huge kind of mistake that, that we made early on. Another mistake we ended up making is we were a very engineering heavy team. What we realized is how important it is having a well-rounded team um, and making sure that, uh, you know, we have product people on our team. Uh, in the early days, it was just, you know, engineering's making product decisions, making, you know, every pretty much every decision. We realized that wasn't optimal. Uh, and we only realized that once uh, we actually got a, a true product person on our team and we, <laughs> we were like, wow, this is, a, this is incredible how much better everything operates when, when you have that expertise. And so always being aware of, you know, where your gaps are and where you can improve things uh, is super important is definitely one of those mistakes that, you know, we just didn't know what we didn't know at the time and, and had to figure it out as, as we went. And, and now that we know that, we try to apply that to, to other things that we do and, and trying to get the expertise in, in place much, much earlier. So, okay, Kyle, what does the future look like for the product and for your team? Sitting today, the NFT space is, you know, down significantly from the hype. But ultimately, you know, we believe that NFTs are uh, a really efficient way at um, transferring data and managing data for applications and, and for individuals. 
Um, and so what we think the future of NFTs is going to look like is it's not uh, necessarily art, it's not simple images, it's going to be app NFTs. People are using NFTs to manage permissions, uh, permissioning of app full applications that are ultimately attached to NFTs. And ultimately what this does is it changes the paradigm from an account-based system you know, where you have to log in to every website you go to. And instead we're looking at, do you have a wallet and do you hold NFTs? Uh, and if you do, then it gives you access to content and data in a, what we think is actually a, a better ultimately user experience in the long term than the kind of systems that we've previously been on. Everything that we're doing at Pinata is trying to uh, enable that future where we're making serving apps easier. We're making, you know, checking whether or not they, they own the content or have the NFTs, making that as simple as possible for developers and um, just improving use cases around that concept of, of app NFTs and what is called token gating in the industry. Okay, Kyle, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. When I was a kid, I watched a lot of modern marvels. And what I was always impressed by was kind of just American uh, entrepreneurs, you know, maybe in steel or railroad or, you know, eventually the auto industry. And I've always looked up to those entrepreneurs that created those companies and, and built those, those massive companies back in the day. Moving forward to today, uh, you know, I'm always inspired by people not in uh, technology or business. Uh, I always get inspired by artists, musicians, uh, those type of people, ultimately because of how kind of vulnerable it probably feels for them to create a piece of music, uh, put it out in the world, and then ultimately somebody may listen to it or maybe nobody actually ends up listening to it. And, and kind of how difficult that is uh, to be in the creative process because I, I draw a lot of parallels between you know, creating music or creating some type of art, movies, whatever it is, and creating your own uh, your own company. Our, our piece of art or our music uh, single was that single IPFS note that we stood up and put out in the world. And I'm always I'm always interested in, in you know how they create uh, different processes and and spark creativity in that and try to apply it in a in a business sense. So. Uh, I, I don't think I gave anybody specific, but generally I'm, I'm always looking for different ways to be inspired and especially different ways not related to, to tech or business. Okay, so we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different or where would you consider taking a different approach? It didn't have to be a mistake, it didn't have to be something that went wrong, but you might go back and tweak. I think looking back on it, we didn't realize that we were in in the middle of it, if you will. So 2017, 2018, uh, crypto was going through a boom period back then, but we didn't realize that the space just wasn't that big. You know, we would kind of read about it on Twitter or Reddit or, or whatever, and it, it made crypto seem much bigger than it actually was. I think our, our worldview was probably smaller if I could go, go back in time, what I would tell myself is, you know, you, you guys do have uh, an impact and uh, you do have a pretty loud voice in the space and, and to leverage that. And ultimately, no, 
uh, what you're doing just as much as anybody else in the space. And, and having that confidence, I think, would have been valuable. Over time, we, we found the confidence and we found our voice as a company uh, and as individuals. But uh, back then, I think uh, we needed a little bit a little bit more confidence in the path that we were going on. And I think that would have sped up ultimately our timeline. But also, you know, looking back on things, uh, there was quite a bit of learning that ultimately happened by going through uh, in, a, in a slower fashion. Okay, Kyle, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? The number one thing that I believe all entrepreneurs need to have is just resiliency. There's no other trait that I think an entrepreneur really needs uh, other than, than resiliency. Ultimately, business and creating companies is, is really, really hard. You have a lot of failures, you have a lot of no's, um, and it's that continual, like just getting up and you keep going regardless of the situation is the most important thing. Luckily for me, you know, I had a bunch of support from friends and family and even even the community here in Omaha, Nebraska. But I did have doubts, right? Every every day you run into a situation where something gets really, really hard and you'd think maybe it's not worth it or, you know, maybe the the company's product isn't very good or, you know, somebody doesn't doesn't like my idea. You have to be able to, you know, keep going regardless of those situations. And ultimately I found that just resiliency is is the biggest thing. And you know, the the markets, especially in crypto, but in broader tech and even the economy, they have their ups and downs. And just being able to survive is a business strategy. And survival as a company is something that gives you a huge leg up as others struggle in the market. And so your ability ability to be resilient, regardless of what you're facing, uh, is the biggest uh, trait that I believe that all entrepreneurs need to have. That's great advice. And couldn't agree more. Well, Kyle, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Pinata. Absolutely. Happy to be here. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.